A brief word from me, your host, Andrew Escada, before we begin this next podcast. I've taken a brief hiatus over the last couple of weeks. This was done intentionally in order to help create space for the voices of our black siblings to be heard. Our country is currently experiencing deep pain, and much of that pain is the result of quickly forgetting, and for some not caring, about historical and systemic racism and the oppression of black people at the hand of our very country. White people must continue to educate themselves rather than put the burden of education upon those who have endured the burden of oppression, and other people of color like myself must do the same. This is not simply a time for a revolution of centered voices, but a time for a revolution of action and policies, and a thoroughgoing rejection of white supremacy and all forms of supremacy culture. This podcast will seek to be a place that creates space for a diverse array of voices and promotes stories of faith and theology that fight for justice in our unjust world. Thank you for listening, and now to our next episode, Learning to Lead with April Diaz. I am uh, here with my friend, April Diaz, and uh, April, I'm excited to have you on the podcast to hear some of your story, and uh, well, let's just dive in, and we will get to kind of the meat of what we're talking about. So, April, why don't you let our listeners know who you are? Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. You know, that's that's the right and polite thing to do, so I will start with... <laughs> With the thank you for that. Um, I know this is a new podcast, so it's fun to be one of your earlier guests on this season. Yeah, we're in the glad show. to have you. So, uh, okay, my name is April Diaz, and I live in Southern California, Orange County to be specifically. Um, and I am married to my high school sweetheart. We started dating when we were 17 years old, and uh, we're celebrating 19 years being married this summer. Wow. So, yeah, I feel like, dude, we've been together a long time. <laughs> a long time and he my first thought of him was uh he was he was actually late to a meeting we're campus life student leaders and he was late to like our morning meeting for for leadership at our high school and he walks in the door like 20 minutes late and I had two thoughts initially when I saw this boy man child walk in the room my first thought was this dude has a lot of nerve walking into this meeting 20 minutes late. And my second thought was, and damn, he's hot. <laughs> so uh, that will tell you a lot about me, just those two statements of itself. And I, yeah, he's still my favorite person on the planet. He's amazing. We've got three kids. Um, we have a, our kids are graduating ne this next week from fifth grade, fourth grade, and second grade. Oh my so we are in uh, a bit of the homeschool hell that so many other families are in these days, elementary school. This for distance learning has just been a thing, a real thing. Um, so yeah, uh, that's those are our kids. We adopted our two oldest kiddos from Ethiopia, and uh, then pretty miraculously got pregnant with our third kiddo uh, nine months after we brought our kids home. Oh my And then gosh. he came seven weeks early. So we went from zero to three kids in fifteen months. We had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a preemie, and life has never been the same. That's wild. So. 
it, it was wild. It is wild. So we tell people like we've got like a 12 year old, 10 year old and eight year old. And they're like, that's normal. That's what people do. Yeah. Um, no, none of, none of our story <laughs> is normal. It's, it's all wild. So that's my family. We, uh, we're living the dream here in quarantine life in Orange County. Um, and then for like work, vocation, passion, all that kind of stuff. A year ago, I launched a company called Azer & Co. And we're all about helping women to become warriors and lead in all spaces. And we do that through a number of different services and products, but we really wanna activate women to live and lead with wholeness and to do that in full partnership with men, not this hierarchical you know, power struggle thing. We wanna sure. do it together. So it's, uh, it's been fun and also really bizarre to, to figure out how to be an entrepreneur in this whole COVID reality. So. That's a little bit of my story of what awesome. I'm at right now. Uh, and so April has been uh, very present in the in the world of youth ministry for uh, quite some time as well. And uh, that's where I, f I first got to know her and know of her. And uh, let's see, gosh, it's been over a year now that yeah. uh, I was invited to be part of a group at the Fuller Youth Institute who are looking to do uh, youth ministry in innovative ways, innovative in new ways. And April and I got to know each other better during that. Uh, she, we, our little cohort group, she was assigned as our kind of coach so that we could have some guidance in completing our innovative project in youth mm -hmm. ministry. And so um, got to know each other more in depth there and to hear from her, see her work and um, also what her experience and how that uh, shaped what what we did and uh, we did a pretty exciting po project which uh, some of that will be so fun. coming out on uh, this podcast in which we really focused on looking at um, exploring identity but kind of in the context of intergenerational relationships uh, within the church so super uh, fun that was a really great project i'm so glad i was able to walk with you guys through that. yeah we we are as well so april one of the things we start off with is really asking our guests uh who are who are some of the people that uh or it could be the people the the ideas um that have really formed your your faith your concept yeah. of vocation what you're doing what you've done what you're doing now um and who have shaped and helped you Right. This is kind of expanding the, the conversation yeah. of faith formation, really just formation in general of uh, who are the people and the things that have shaped you. Yeah. So I grew up uh, extremely conservative and extremely fundamentalist environments. Um, it was Christian, but it was about as far right as you could be. Um, and that my entire extended family on both sides was a part of this very conservative denomination and church. And so my faith formation really began um, <laughs> with a deeply entrenched belief of uh, original sin and of uh, law and of rules and of proving and of worth uh, based on, you know, obedience and faithfulness and, holiness. Um, and I, I mean, there were no like theological resources in all of that. Uh, actually <laughs> anyone that was in leadership within the church had zero theological training. Um, it was more of like an expression of what, uh, probably historical 
like generational passing on of, of faith, but also like just reading the text and then being inspired to preach on it, to uh, expound on it, to tell people how to live. And it's just like, we don't, we don't need theologians. We have the Holy Spirit. Right? Yes. We, yeah. Yes, very much, which is, oh my gosh, so, so problematic, right? Um, but then my dad got called into full-time ministry, which just didn't happen in that environment. And um, he went to seminary, uh, to a, a very, very conservative seminary. But even in that, it was like a very like radical, progressive, like wild move for him to go do that. Mm-hmm. And he was the first person um, that was a member of that church's denomination that did not get excommunicated from the church for going to seminary. Wow. And in the process of him being in seminary, that that was during my latter elementary school years, which I'm very grateful for because that's such a formational time um, Mm -hmm. to be like 10, 12 years old and and starting (laughs) to really wrestle with your own identity and beginning that individuation process as as your own human. And my parents left that church uh, while my dad was in seminary. And so um, kind of the world opened up and there was some more freedom and there was some more like possibility and like God got bigger, um, especially because I got out of a very small town that I had been raised in up until that point. However, I mean, it just was still looking back on it. I mean, very, just really, really, really conservative. Um, And part of like what has been the process for me is a lot of deconstruction in my 30s. Uh, around, and even in my twenties, like my twenties, I started going to therapy and I started like, I mean, I was in college, I went to a Bible college. So I was, I was studying and learning. Uh, my minor was biblical studies and I had a youth ministry major. So like there was, there was a lot of learning and going, oh my gosh, all of this that I thought was the entirety of God, church, Bible, uh, the world just really got blown up. And so I felt like, I feel like the twenties was more of like an expansion of what possibilities are. Uh, and then the thirties, my thirties were a lot of deconstruction and, um, I'm 40 now and I, I am imagining that the forties are going to be very much a rebuilding and a reconstructing of faith based on what happened in my twenties and my thirties. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I don't have a ton of theological, like formal education. I have an undergrad, but I don't have a master's degree, but I'm, I'm a nerd. So I just, I read and study a lot and I'm trying to just have been trying to figure out on a real practical, like boots on the ground level. What does it look like for me to be formed into the person that I've been created to be and to be a good neighbor and to love the world as it was created and to be good news, you know, and see more of heaven on earth. So that's, I would say my, like my theology kind of is, has been, wrapped around some of those values and principles yeah uh so i mean it seems like right you're you've gone from this kind of like oriented in one way to disorientation and yeah you know you're seeing these next years of your life as reorientation right or deconstruction into construction um well so uh you know you talked about this is something that even in the church we still have a hard time talking about but is you said you would you started going to therapy yeah. And um, so I wonder if you saw that in any way, and I don't want to speak into your own experience, but as kind of a catalyst to help you reflect on what you had been influenced by and how you had been raised yeah. and maybe giving the opportunity. And I noticed, I've noticed this in my own personal life, just 
going to therapy gives people the opportunity uh, and a safe place to kind of actually deal with all their, you know, past junk and trauma mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. these things in a way that feels comfortable and safe. And you don't, your parents aren't there to judge you or your yeah. community's not, it's just you and you and a therapist. Yeah. One of the things that I think if you do your twenties well, or if you want to like set yourself up well in your twenties for the rest of your life is just get your butt into therapy. Because I think that your 20s are about understanding the story that has been written in your life up until now. And the wounds, like you said, the trauma, the lack, the, the, the pain, the suffering, whatever, to become more aware of your story and who you're being formed to be right now. And then start to make some decisions about who do I want to be moving forward? Yeah. Who do I want to become? And so I think therapy is a really awesome... I talk about this all the time. Um, that I think every leader needs three guides in their life and you probably don't have to access them all the time, but I think every leader needs a therapist, a spiritual director and a coach because each of those deals with a different time aspect. Uh, a therapist helps you deal with your past um, to leverage your past for your present moment. A, a spiritual director helps you stay present and, and experience, you know, God in this moment and a coach is using the present or using the future as leverage for the present. Hmm. And so the integration of all of those is really important for leaders. And so I think that like when I started therapy in my 20s, I saw three different therapists um, for different periods or chunks of time in my 20s. And each of them helped me to relate to my past in a different way in order to bring more integration and wholeness and help me identify like, who do I want to become moving forward? And do I want to hold on to some of these things? Or did those things not serve me well? Do those, did those things not... Uh, give me the kind of future that I want to co-create with God. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's uh, really um, good advice to have like three types of guides in your life. Uh, and I'm sure they can take kind of forms and yeah. they can be formed in different ways. But, yep. you know, I tell our, I tell the, the young people I work with, the parents, the grandparents, uh, just everyone who I come into contact as a pastor is, uh, therapy is just a really great place to start yeah. um, because we have all been formed by people and events and mm -hmm. informed by ideas and various things. Yeah. But we don't ever take the time to process that. Stuff. Yes. And yes. so yes. imagine if you, if everyone decided for one hour, even every two weeks, I was going to sit down and engage. Yeah. yeah my past, my present, and what my future looks like and wrap and try and wrap those yeah. things together and make sense mm -hmm. of them so that I could be a, a whole and healthy yeah. person or to really live into the, to be the person that God has created. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I say all the time too, like your body travels by plane, but your soul travels by camel. <laughs> and not many of our bodies are traveling by planes these days. So sure. it's a little bit of a painful metaphor, yeah. but like we really do move through the world really fast. And, yeah. you know, every 24 hours happens, every 24 hours, like it just keeps going, time keeps yeah. moving. But to create space, to um, be intentional, to hit the pause button or to reflect so that your soul can catch up, um, it requires attention and it requires some different practices that, I mean, really in this crazy quarantine COVID reality that we're living in now, like that's been one of my hopes and prayers for not just me, but for the world, you know, is that we would use this time well to let our bodies, our souls catch up to where our bodies have been 
because um, we're not going anywhere, you know, yeah. like we're, we're not physically not going anywhere. Just so like, kidding. let's use this space in a way to let those two things kind of come together. And there, there's probably collision. It'll probably be difficult and awkward and painful to do some of that stuff, but it's also incredibly freeing. And it, there's like a freedom and a weight that's lifted in that. So yeah, I could talk about that for days. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I mean, obviously we can't travel right now, but it's a, it's a great analogy. What I always say is, well, I used to always say, man, I wish that we had like, I wish our days were longer. We had like 36 hour days. I could get just so much more done, No, but I would just waste more time and I would spend (laughs) less time actually thinking about myself and the people who I come into contact and how my view of myself is impacted by them or my view of the world or my neighbor is impacted by, you know, various other influences in my life. We'd actually probably be better if we had a 20 hour day and prioritize uh, the things that are really important. And uh, we'd, we'd move a lot more like camels, I think. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that's the proverb, right? Is teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a numbering, uh, an intentionality, uh, a reality of like, we don't have all the time in the world. And in that, then let's be wise about how we spend it, use it, invest it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, one of the things in, in the project that we worked on with Fuller, uh, that we really came to, uh, to see or that, that was played out in what we did was these conversations with young people and adults was that nobody ever takes the time to reflect on who they are, right? Because like, Hey, I got to wake up and get my kid to school and then I got to get to work and then I got to be effective and efficient at work. And then when I come home, it's dinner and it's all of these things and there's kids sports and uh, then there's Netflix at night, right? Or whatever (laughs) else there is. And, uh, that we actually, one of the values of the project we worked on was that we gave people space and they committed yeah. to that space. Yeah. And they were like, oh my gosh, I, I just can't believe how incredible this time has been. Yeah. And their stories of identity and formation evolved, not just because they had time to think about them, but because it was in the presence of other people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you had someone who was able to speak into your life yeah. based on their own experience. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and at that point, you were able to understand yourself better. Yeah, I, I mean, that autopilot that you just described is, is some of like the work that I am, I feel very committed to be doing in the world is helping people to wake up. Um, yeah. Because really, the people that we respect and admire and learn from and idolize and listen to are people who are awake in their own life. They are they're not on that autopilot. They're not just going through the daily grind. And it's funny because right now it, it feels like Groundhog's Day because <laughs> it's just the same crap every day. Like we are in, oh man, every day just feels the same, right? Yeah. But I, it's like a holy discontent mixed with a, like a righteous anger mixed with like this really deep sadness and, and lament. Mm-hmm. of how many of us just like fritter our lives away and we wake up you know at 60 years old or in a crisis and go like well what in the world am i living for what's the point so i'm i'm i hope that again in this season that's one of the things that gets reoriented for us is 
that autopilot gets switched off and we realize we've got to actually drive and we actually have to chart a course and we actually have to pay attention to where we've been um, because that way is not working anymore. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, um, I was listening to another podcast recently and it made me start really thinking about how we Right, that kind of autopilot life, um, whether and, and right, we do that with faith too. We just like Absolutely. throw these things on autopilot, and yeah. you know, as long as I follow the plan, I'm good, right? Uh, and really, in some regards, we should just get rid of the damn plan, but yeah. we should not get rid of planning, right? And so that's like two different things of sure step by step evaluating who you are, where you're at, um, where you are at. Uh, in your relationship with God, in your relationship yeah. with others, in your love for yourself um, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes stopping and it takes, uh, uh, frankly, I, it takes other people in your life to help you recognize. A thousand percent. And, yeah. Because you're not designed to live life on your own or yeah. do life on your own uh, yeah, at absolutely. all in any way, at any point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're seeing in Orange County as we are here in Atlanta is, uh, we feel in many ways that we're doing our life on our own right now, right? We are, and, and we're, we're not on a, on a technical level, but we are not in relationship with people in the ways that we are accustomed to, um, sure. and especially in the church is the ways that we think theologically, yeah. historically, biblically that we should be, which yeah. is really um, living life together and faith mm-hmm. in communities and caring for one another and caring for the least of these. and. Yep. Um, it's it's difficult. It's really difficult to do that in this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we are in this new, uh, this kind of new era, and uh, and frankly, I think this is going to continue. Not just right. Let's just say we get a vaccine, you know, or or uh, cases go down dramatically. There's not really a. We're not going back to the way things were, right? There's okay. something that's that's brand new that's that's happening. But, uh, I, you know, you're coaching people, you're looking at what it means to be a leader and to uh, exhibit leadership in whatever it is, whatever area of your life that uh, you need that. So what, what is leadership? Like what people who are leading organizations, people who are uh, exhibiting leadership in their homes, like what does it look like in the era of COVID-19? Yeah, it's a, such a good question and a big one. Um, I think that what's happening right now is revealing a couple of things at a minimum, <laughs> at least a couple of things that we could talk about right now. Yeah. One is all of the things that aren't working. Um, hmm. The pace that we are living, the stress that we are carrying, the uh, overcommitment, the lack of sleep, the poor eating, the shallow connections, like whatever it is uh, for individuals, it's also revealing itself communally and collectively. Hmm. And so I think there's a lot in Richard Rohr is calling it the great pause, this period of time. And, and I think that in this great pause, there's a lot that's being just brought up to the surface, like junk yeah. that's going like all this stuff isn't working. And um, so then we get to look at it and then we get to decide like, what do we want to let go of? What do we want to leave behind? What do we want to, uh, pick up again or new things and figure out how do we want to move forward from here? So I think that question is really important. I'm doing a lot of work individually around that in our family. We've been having those kinds of conversations, certainly like as a business owner and as a spiritual leader, like those are things that I'm paying 
a lot of attention to, close attention to. Uh, but I think that the other thing that is closely related to that is that leaders have an opportunity right now to do inner work in a way that they've never done before so that we can lead from places of, of true supernatural power. Hmm. And I am seeing a lot of leaders freaking out, particularly in church or faith spaces of <laughs> all the things that, that we can't do that we have always done. Yeah. And um, what if instead of the freak out, there was like a breath and an exhale and a pause and a waiting of what hasn't been working? What, what did we wish was different that we were complaining about and arguing about and whining about for a long time that now we can't, that will inform how it is that we want to move forward? Because um, it was never about a gathering on a specific day of the week at a specific time. Like the church and the kingdom is so much more expansive than that. Mm -hmm. So like, what if we could do that work first in our own souls and like in our own leadership and then figure out like, how do we want that to overflow? How do we want that to expand out of us? So all of that self-leadership stuff feels like it is like, that button is getting pushed and it's like reset, listen, and then like figure out a way forward. And there's no magical solution. There's no formula for that. It takes work. But with all things that are new, it, you just are building a new muscle. And so while it's hard in the beginning, some of this like reflection or um, like pausing and not doing stuff all the time and you like having the full control, all of those kinds of crazy things that we thought were, were working or normal beforehand. This is just an opportunity to build that muscle and it'll get way easier um, as we practice more self-leadership. So that is, that self-leadership piece feels incredibly important to me. Yeah. It's uh, you know, you're using the analogy of muscle, right. And we like, if you're into lifting weights at all, you mm -hmm. have, and have done any research around that you know that you grow when you rest yep and uh the rest of the time it's it's breaking down tissue and then regrowing it and yep. um so i think it's important what you said you you really you see this as a time for revealing what hasn't worked and yeah. sometimes i think that's why there's so many leaders and pastors um who feel so uncomfortable right now because they have it's really hard to look back and say hey uh that that didn't work. What we were mm -hmm. doing is not working, right? Yeah. Whether that means it that's one aspect of yeah. your ministry or your life or your leadership. Yeah. Um, but it's a different thing when maybe at times it might be the entire institution yeah. that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And that that's not I'm not just saying that about churches, just it yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, There's some real systemic things that I think are changing. Like we just got uh, there was just an announcement yesterday that the University of California school system, which is, I think, the largest in the country, yeah. has just announced that they're no longer doing ACT and SATs for um, admissions reviews. Wow. And I was like, you know, the former youth pastor in me was going, holy <laughs> crap, like, that's huge, right? Like, that's yeah. a game changer. I came into my husband and I was like, check this out. And I was like, man, what if, what if this is one of the benefits of this COVID reality is like, that's part of the system that crumbles and then something new gets to be built mm -hmm. on that. And yeah, that's painful and it's scary as hell. And it is going to require us to work all different muscles, but we got to stop that insanity because it's not working. Yeah. 
And to get what you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. So there's a moment in time here for us to do some new things. Um, talk about innovation, right? Yeah. Where we first met around that idea. And that, that requires a certain kind of bravery and courage and vulnerability that, again, is going to tie into your ability to lead yourself well, because those are very uncomfortable things to practice, especially in public, right? Mm -hmm. In front of other people asking people to follow you to a place that you don't know you're going to go yet um, or you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but it's, it's the wilderness and you are, you're going into like some uncharted territory there. Yeah. Right. It's wading through the wilderness. And uh, I, I think that, I think in terms of church leadership, um, pastors in general, one, so one of the things that we don't do, is, you know, you talk about this reflection on your personal leadership is we tend to lead because we are in an established institution already. And then we don't mm -hmm. do that hard work of reflecting yeah. on how am I actually leading? Right. What are the things that I'm doing? Or what are the things that I'm not doing? Or how has my leadership caused mm -hmm. uh, pain for other people or yeah. pain for myself or the institution? And if you don't take a pause, right? Like the the COVID era, this is not good, right? Nobody's saying no, this No, no, it sucks. It's horrible. It's terrible. But in light of it, what what do we do? And yeah. how do we reflect on the concept of the self and relationship to other people and how we lead? I yeah. think is an instrumentally important thing to be doing right now, mm -hmm. especially because, frankly, I, I need to do that myself, but I just don't have a lot of energy for other things. And uh, it seems like maybe it's this is a good time to take some energy for, um, I, I don't like using the term self-care that much just because it gets like thrown around so, yeah. so much, yeah. but some self-reflection and yeah. some thinking about um, purpose and identity. And if you do all those things, you actually might just lead a little bit better. Thousand percent. So I'll, I'll throw this out and you can tag it on the show notes if you want. But sure. um, we created a, a review called Beyond Survival. And it's a very simple review process. It's not rocket science. But I, as I have been listening and paying attention, you know, my hope and desire is that we would live and lead with wholeness. Because that's who we've been created to be, right? I mean, it's, it, it needs to take place in my life, but it also needs to take place in my leadership that there's this <clears throat> ongoing journey toward wholeness. And that wholeness needs to be in every area of my life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, relationally, sexually, all of it, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's God's dream for us. That is the desire is that there would be wholeness there. And so we created this really simple review that allows you to take an honest and a gentle look at what's really going on and then to be proactive and deliberate about action steps. How can you move toward wholeness if, if your physical wholeness is super low? Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think, you know, you can offer that to your people, but like, I think we do need some tools and resources to help us figure out how do we get what we've never had before? How do we hmm. do things differently to get different results? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I agree. I think that, um, that idea of, Hey, how do you figure out what you've never had before? Um, it, right. That stuff, it, it takes a lot of, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of reflection and thinking and yeah. talking with other people. And um, so I think that's a, that's a great and well, great. Tool. Which is why you also need guides, right. And you need yeah, other people. Sure. 
Because yeah. like, of course, if I knew what to do, I would be doing it, right? That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. If I knew how to make this better or go away or feel better, like yeah. I would do it. But sometimes we don't know. And, and so we're, we need some guides to help us do that. Other times I think we do know and we're not doing it. You know, for example, we all know that we need seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Every research, every, every bit of study has said like for adults that that is still a requirement. You're yeah. not, you don't need less than that, but we don't do it. So sometimes you need a, a guide or someone to walk with you, a friend or somebody that you pay <laughs> that's yeah. going to make sure that you actually do the things that you say that you want to do so that you can have a different result. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that's entirely right. Speaking of sleep, April and I, before we hopped on the, the recording of this, we're talking about uh, sleep and how neither of us slept that much last night. And some of <laughs> no, us- No, I slept well. Uh, yeah, I just got up really just early. Got up way early. <laughs> so now some, I'm like yeah. needing to figure something out. Some of us require more than seven to eight hours of sleep. I, I'm in like yes. the- uh, the uh, somewhere between nine and 12. <laughs> Which is totally realistic when you have a 10 month old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very realistic, especially in the Western, Western American uh, world. Yeah. Um, so one of the things you're doing at Azer is looking at how do, how do women lead and lead uh, in wholeness and, and in full partnership with men. It being a, so I, the both the two re recent churches I have worked at have had uh, a bunch of female pastors and leaders, and I have grown tremendously and learned from their leadership so much. But the church and really the world in general is still yeah. full of it's still male dominated. It's still patriarchal. There's yep. some that is deep and historical and so very toxic on so many levels. Yep. And I can imagine that uh, what we're dealing with right now in this COVID era has made leadership for women even harder. Um, mm. Being at home and having expectations on family life, not necessarily just within the household, but external yeah. expectations and pressures. And so um, how can you speak into all of the female leaders and pastors that we have in in this, in the United States and in our world, um, what are what are some things about right now um, that tools and encouragement that you can give to to them? Yeah. Oh, that's again such a big and important question. Uh, part of how I want to answer your question is around what kind of narrative do I want to continue? Hmm. And so, part of the narrative that I want to continue is. Uh, Certainly having my three children home with me 24 seven for the last 11 plus weeks has been really challenging for me as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, as a leader, because I am spending a whole bunch of time with my kids that like previously teachers were and, yeah. and other parts of our other members of our village. And so there has been very much a tension of mothering and leader that has been uh, it's been really frustrating for me at times. However, um, I think what women can bring to this conversation and into the new normal and the new reality that we're creating is that one, uh, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week is not helpful. It is not good. There's a, a law of diminishing returns. 
So what if I can work as or more effectively four hours a day as I was previously doing in nine because I am working smarter, I have better priorities, I have focus. Um, there's a very, those restrictions are actually really beneficial to like pressure you into the right kind of work. So I think women can lead us in that. Um, I think there's another aspect of an integration of your world and of your reality. I think that like where a workplace has been created and dominated by men, there was this, this narrative of compartmentalization. Like this is my work life, this is my family life, this is my church life, these are my friends. And it's honestly, it's just your life. And yeah. so now our life is all bled in together. And that's part of the mess is like, we're like, I don't know when I'm working and when I'm doing laundry and when I'm taking care of my kids and when I'm hanging out with my girlfriends, like it's just all a blob together. And part of that's really good. And it allow us, we can create some rhythms and some anchors in order to use our time and our energy uh, with like some strategy and to be able to like timeline some things out or to place energy bursts or th things of that nature. Yeah. But what I'm hoping and, and trusting women to do is showing how an integrated life is a better way to live. Um, that shooing kids away from a Zoom call or like making sure your kids are shutting up in the background while you're on the phone with, with a colleague or with your boss, like that's kind of a, that's a crappy way to live. And what is that teaching our kids? And then, and how are we raising the generation, uh, that generation to live and work and, and think about all of those things? So I think that those two aspects are, are really exciting. Um, working less, working more integrated. Um, but I also think that kind of the flattening that's happening right now, not just hopefully of the curve of the virus, but like <laughs> yeah. the flattening that's happening organizationally, where like we're kind of all in this together and all trying to figure out how to operate in this, that that will allow for women to like rise up and be like, dude, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been juggling the carpool and the meetings and the doctor's appointments and all of that. Like yeah. that's my life. And so maybe we can reconstruct a healthier work environment and leadership culture around um, women who have been doing this and just haven't had a voice because the patriarchy and the system has not listened yet. I mean, I, th that, I think that's so uh, insightful what you have said, this idea that uh, maybe what's actually happening, right? We talked about, you know, this pause has allowed us to think and to reflect and to see. And women have been leading in incredible ways for a really long time. Mm -hmm. and having all of these aspects of her life integrated together and all of a sudden it's bringing light to the fact that they've actually been doing it yeah. this is yeah. not something new that yeah. we have had incredible yeah. uh women leaderships who are single married mothers divorced widowed elderly yeah. doing these things for yeah. a, an a ton of history and yeah. now maybe we get to see those things and bring them to the forefront yeah. and uh hopefully the uh the patriarchy will will shut their mouths a little bit and yeah. uh maybe take a look and listen yeah. and see that yeah. there is a better more integrative way to yeah. lead and exist yeah i think for any man that is listening right now and going like oh my gosh this has been so hard for me to figure out how do i help my kids distance learning 
and do my job? How do I work from home and figure out how, what we're going to eat for dinner tonight? Like the, the blurry and the overwhelm of that mess. I would encourage you to ask a woman how she does it. Uh, <laughs> and for women to not, for us to not get on like our high horse and be like, see, we told you, like we've been yeah. doing it and, and suckers, like welcome to the party. But like, it would be really great for us women uh, to go welcome to the party. And like, we can do this together. And because again, the partnership is, is where the, the beauty is at, like partnership over power all day long. Um, and in that, like, if, if, yeah, if men can ask that question and to be humble in that way, I think women would have a lot to offer. And one more thing, I have another idea. Yeah. Can I share one more? Yeah, of course. So another thing that's been really great for me and my husband um, with our kiddos is, <laughs> I think it was like week two of quarantine, my 10-year-old daughter <laughs> came up to us and we were like both on Zoom calls or I was on a phone call, he was on a Zoom call. And she kind of looked at us, she's like, so this is what you do all day when we're at school? And I was like, hey, babe, welcome. You know, like, what, what did you think we did? Did you think we just like watched TV all day while you were at school? And there's been some really beautiful moments in our family where our kids have been able to see us work and for us to talk about the value of work, the holiness of work, the uh, partnering with God in our work, um, of what we actually do. like practically speaking with our work and to talk about like money. Like I had a three and a half hour zoom call yesterday doing some coaching certification training. And my 10 year old daughter was like, not happy about it. She's like, why do you have to be on this call for so long? I was like, cause actually this makes me a lot of money and we, we need money, right? Like what are we buying? Like you, you, you asked for another sketchbook, you know, like that money just doesn't appear from nowhere. So there's those kinds of like real life lessons that have been really beautiful and practical that in the blur and the mess of it all, I think that both women and men, we can teach our kids like what our work is doing to bring more heaven on earth and how our contribution of that matters and uh, what it is that we do with our days that um, is beyond them, you know, beyond our kids, because that's actually important too, but is including of them into the work that we're doing. Yeah, I, I right. It's um, it's funny. Our our work our work lives are getting a little insight into what people's home lives are like, but it's not that doesn't really happen on the flip side. Often, right, totally. is that our kids don't ever get that insight into what our work lives are like, and so this yeah. is actually kind of that whole idea of integration that you talked about. Uh, it, it's happening on kind of a uh, on a on varying levels, right? On varying levels of adults who are working with their kids and then their kids getting to see and experience what it's like for their parents to work and what they do. And that uh, there is no money tree in the backyard. Uh, (laughs) I wish there was. I am, no kidding. Lovely. Maybe somebody can innovate that right now. Yeah, that's right. Grow money trees in their backyard. Um, And I think too, this is also bringing... Uh, the ability to have conversations about really hard stuff with our kids because our work life and the difficulties of that is uh, coming to the fore and Mm -hmm. to talk about, right. I mean, I I went to the grocery store this morning and uh, I actually, Isaiah and I talk about food access 
Mm-hmm. And there are people yep. who are really, really struggling right now, um, whether it's for food accessibility or yeah. shelter or yeah. unemployment, yeah. and that we can use the resources that we gratefully have to really care for our neighbors. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and to talk to talk more in depth about that with our kids. Yeah, um, totally, I love that. And we get to have the time and the platform to do that with them that so we normally wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, or we wouldn't so make good. the time for. And now it's just given yeah. to us. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a good and important uh, conversation that we're having, and uh, I hope that it will continue, uh, not just between us, but in, in people's lives yeah. and... Uh, in their homes and in their workplace about what it means to lead and to lead uh, to lead as a whole person that yep. God has uh, met, yep. uh, meant for us to lead and exist and to be in, in, in wholeness and ultimately in relationship with God and with other people. Yep. Um, so a- April, I'll give you the, the last, uh, the last couple words, if there's anything that you'd like to mm-hmm. Uh, say or or share uh, from our convo? Yeah, what you just said uh, triggered a really good um, memory for me. And that is, uh, I think it is our privilege and our responsibility as leaders to lead ourselves to our whole self. That, that is no one else's job. It's not your spouse or your boss or your friends. Um, you've got to lead yourself there. And so I think my hope and prayer for listeners would be if there's um, if in the conversation you're realizing, man, there is a lot of disintegration or there is, there's a place where I'm not uh, leading with wholeness. If there's a place that just feels really fragmented in my soul, that there's, there's something that I want for the future that I'm not experiencing right now. um, Get help. Ask, I mean, get a coach, get a spiritual director, go to therapy. Um, engage in those ways because this is the opportunity. And I think part of the passage where Jesus talks about being, um, if you're made faithful in little, you could be made faithful in much. This is one of those moments where our faithfulness to what God is graciously bringing up right now for us and our own formation, we get to respond to. It is, it's a privilege. And um, my coach has asked me the question multiple times in the last couple of months, you know, what if this whole pandemic and, you know, all of the shifts that are happening in our world, what if this is not happening to you, but it's happening for you? And that perspective shift for me has been really helpful. Um, Cause I can go into like some legit pity party. Woe is me. <laughs> everything sucks. I want to murder the world, you know, and uh, just throw up the, throw up the resistance. But, but yeah, what if this stuff is happening? happening for us. And that for us is to lead us towards the most meaningful life um, and the most effective, beautiful, powerful life to live. So I think that's what I would kind of leave as a, as a blessing and a challenge kind of simultaneously to anybody listening. Sure. Awesome. Uh, hey, where can, where can our listeners find you? Uh, whether to see what you're doing or if they want to look at some of the resources that you're putting out or want to hire you as a coach. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, for me personally, uh, on Instagram, I'm April L Diaz. So two L's April Diaz was taken. She's got like 12 followers on Instagram. She never <laughs> posts, but she's, 
she's got it. So you got to have the two L's if you want to follow me. Um, and then for my company at Azer and Co, E-Z-E-R and Co is our Instagram. And we've got a Facebook group and our website is azerandco.com. Um, yeah, we would love to, we'd love to, to work with you and rock with you. Cool. Awesome. Well, April, I am grateful for the conversation um, and for your friendship as well. And I look forward same. to future conversations together. Same, same. Thanks for the invitation again. Yep. Good to have you. This is the formation.